And so this morning, uh, we're back in the book of First John. Again, I've entitled this series Christianity 101, and I want to begin reading chapter 2, um, beginning with verse number 18. We'll read down through verse 27. And John writes to the church, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. And who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray, God, that you would use it to teach us what you would have us to learn and to know this day. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So as I said, we are in a series here, Christianity 101. And it's like John is teaching a course on the foundational um, principles and doctrines of the Christian, Christian faith and way of life. You know, many college students are, 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 are going back to school. I think about that freshman year where you start with the foundational courses for what you'll study later on. You know, Biology 101, right? Maybe it's English 101. It might be, if you're in Bible school, New Testament 101. And it's the foundation, the basics, the things that, 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 that we need to start with. And that's kind of what John is doing as he's writing to these Christians, to the church that's the second and third generation, they're removed from, from, from the original apostles, many of them, and, and, and the work and the life and the ministry of Jesus while he was here on this earth. And he was concerned that the church was going to stray, that it was beginning to stray. You know, today it seems like when it comes to the church and, and, and church ministry that so many Christians are constantly looking for something newer or deeper or more exciting or flashier or maybe more focused even on their own personal needs or what fits into their own um, personal philosophy of life. In fact, some, it seems, have become bored with the simplicity of the gospel and what it means to live as a follower of Jesus, and thus they go on a search for something that wows them. There's a tendency, even in the church today, to be diverted from the basic truths of the gospel message and to even lean towards false teaching. And of course, there is such a variety to choose from. I mean, think of all the messages we receive today. 
people knocking on your door, preachers on the radio, the TV, the Internet, all kinds of publications, Internet articles flowing freely from social media accounts. It's, it's like there's a buffet of spiritual teachings out there, many under the name of Christianity from which we can choose. And it's no wonder that so many Christians end up swallowing all kinds of unbiblical teachings and taking on unbiblical ways of life. It's no wonder that today we're so prone to follow so many different kinds of teaching. And so it's important for us. It's important for us to go back to the basics at times, to Christianity 101, because you see, listen, part of what John was dealing with in his day and thus in his letter to the church was the fact that even in his day, there were all kinds of teachings about Jesus that were beginning to arise. In fact, there were people who had once been part of the church, but who had subsequently left the church and left the faith as it had been taught to them. Some of them had even been leaders and teachers in the church, but now they were teaching something different. They had left the church for another teaching regarding Jesus, a different gospel, claiming that they had received a new revelation of truth, even a deeper revelation. Not only that, but their intent was to spread their teaching into the church and to lead the church as a whole into their new and enlightened knowledge. And so that's why John begins his letter, as we saw all the way at the beginning in chapter 1, with an explanation of the reality of Jesus Christ when he writes, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, we proclaim the word of life. John saying, listen, listen, what we have declared to you, this gospel message, it's based on the reality of Jesus. Don't let anybody steer you in another direction. Now in this section, John begins to deal head on with these teachers who are spreading what John, what we would would consider to be false doctrine, false teachings about Jesus, a false gospel. Those who are seeking to lead others into that teaching. And I want you to notice how direct John is, how blunt John is about these teachers. In verse 18, he calls them antichrists. As he notes that, yes, there will be one who will be the anti, the Antichrist, the one who will be the embodiment of evil and all that's against Christ. But John says these people were already Antichrists. For you see, they were working against Jesus Christ and against the kingdom of God by deceiving men and women and, and leading, them, leading them astray, leading them away from Christ. John says, listen, these are Antichrists. He says in verse 19, they went out from us. That is, these were those who, again, they had once been part of the church. They, they had worship with these believers. They, they, many of them had even been leaders and teachers among them. But he says, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. In other words, they may have been there, but something had not clicked spiritually in their souls. Oh, they had all the right words, and they probably worshiped, and they, they taught, they sounded so eloquent, and yet, it seems that something was not right in their spirits from the beginning. And John calls these men, verse 22, he says, listen, they're liars. Liars. He calls them this based on the fact that they deny that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus of Nazareth, of Nazareth, the man, was actually the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. And so how is the church to deal with, 
with the situation at hand, with these false teaching and the arrival and infiltration of these new teachings? How is the church to fight off these false teachings and these heresies? Because again, remember, this was now 70 to 80 years after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The original apostles and and disciples were dying off. These were second and third generation believers um, separated by time and space from firsthand experience of Jesus' life and teaching. And we know from this point on in history, there was going to be the propensity and the danger for all kinds of false teachings, false gospels to arrive. And much of it would come from within the church, or at least from people who had once been part of the church. And John gives to us an answer. He gives us two keys, or that which I want to call this morning the dynamic duo. He gives to us the dynamic duo. Now, listen, I know when I say that phrase, many of us think of, Batman and Robin. I mean, after all, they were the dynamic duo who came, you know, fought off the bad guys, the Joker, the Riddler, you know. Many of us grew up with, 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 with this dynamic duo, but I want you to know that's not the dynamic duo we're talking about this morning. Because in verse 20, John says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. And he's speaking to us about this, two things, and we're going to go through them. But the first is the truth of the gospel, and second is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when we allow that dynamic duo to do their work in our lives, we might say, we will be protected from the enemy of our souls who wants to lead us astray out of the faith and into that which is false. Because you see, the problem has persisted even to this day. All kinds of teachings with the potential to lead God's people astray have arisen. Even today, there are teachings that flow in and out of the church, and they often offer something that seems, well, a bit more exciting, a bit, oh, it's so deep, it's, it's, it's so much deeper, it's more spiritual, it's more intellectual, whatever. They promise to us a better life, health and wealth. They promise deliverance, an emotional high that they attribute to the Holy Spirit and so forth. How do we respond? How do we filter through it all? How can we protect ourselves from the enemy of our soul the, and the Antichrist and the liars, the answer is found in the dynamic duo that God has given to us to keep us on the right path in the faith and living the right way. The first is the word of truth or the gospel. For John says, and all of you know the word of truth. He's speaking about the truth of the gospel. Again, the false teachers of John's day claimed that they had come upon some new truth. They claimed that they discovered something new about Jesus and about God, about who Jesus was, what he had done, how he had come, and so forth. And, you know, such is usually the case. It's always about some new truth that has thus far been discovered by the church, some new revelation that all those people, can you imagine that for all these, for two centuries, the church the church has has completely missed. Like, really? Some new truth? And this isn't about differences in interpretation of some scripture or, or, you know, some minor things that might, you know, create different denominations within Christianity, but because those things usually leave us with the essentials about who Jesus is and the gospel message. See, John says that those who are part of the church who are believers, they, listen, they know the truth. But after all, that's what our faith is all about. That's why we're here in the first place. Because, you see, it was the gospel message 
that brought us into relationship with God, into a place of salvation. As Paul said, it is the gospel that is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So John says in verse 24, he says, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will remain in the Son and in the Father. What did they hear from the beginning? It was the gospel message. It was taught by the apostles from the start of the church. It was the message about the reality of Jesus, that Jesus, Jesus was the preexistent son of God, was incarnated, that he came into our world from heaven, that he lived and he died as a man. And then three days later was raised from the dead and that he has and always has been, always will be the divine son of God. And so that those who put their faith in him as Savior and Lord, those who give their lives to, for, to following him, they receive forgiveness of sin. Their, their relationship with God as their father is restored and they receive eternal life. And it's, it's all it's only through Jesus. Listen, it's a very basic message. But it's the message that we've received from the beginning. And there is no new message there will never be any other gospel message. This is the truth that Jesus has left us with. This is the truth that the apostles have passed on to us. This is the truth that the church fathers fought, fought for and some even died for. And we need to be careful, church. Listen, we need to be careful not to become bored with the simplicity of the gospel message we've received. We don't need to go on a search for some new revelation, something deeper, something more thrilling, something more intellectual. For we have received an incredible message of truth that tells us that if we will believe in the name of Jesus, not if we take on some deeper knowledge, not if we will, if we will do more, if we become more religious, if we have some greater experiences. No, but simply if we will believe in the name of Jesus, we will be saved. That's the message. Believe in the name of Jesus and we will be saved. Let me just pause here this morning. Have you received the gospel message into your life? Have you given your life through faith to God? Have you put your faith in who Jesus is? Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I challenge you this morning to take that step of faith. It's the only thing you need to do. You don't need some deeper revelation. All you need to do is receive the gospel to respond to the gospel. And so the first part of this dynamic duo, it's, it's the gospel message, the word of truth. And the second part that John gives to us is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He says, but you have received an anointing from the Holy One. And why does John put it that way? He says it was because these false teachers claimed a special anointing and from that anointing, a special revelation from God. They claimed to have received special knowledge, that they were the enlightened ones, that they were truly the spiritual ones. Oh, have you, have you ever met someone who comes across like, well, I'm really the spiritual one because I have this special like anointing from God. I have this special thing in my life. And they kind of flaunt their spirituality. That's what these guys were doing. You see, and that's usually the case with false teachers. They almost always claim a new and special anointing upon their lives that they kind of like give the impression no one else has. 
They almost always claim to have received a new and special revelation from God. They, they somehow see themselves as being especially favored and chosen by God to bring a new message regarding the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, it happened in Mormonism with John Smith Jr., who claimed to have received a special revelation. Two angels show up and give him a new book, the Book of Mormon, which, which, which honestly for the Mormons takes precedence over the Bible. It happened, it happened in that movement you know, called the Jehovah's Witnesses, Charles Russell. He seemed to have received a new enlightenment, rejecting the foundational doctrines of the Christian faith and even creating their own translation of the Bible. And some even in our own church circles. Listen, if you've been around the church you know, for, for any number of years, you'll find those who claim all kinds of an anointing, an anointing for laughing in the spirit, an anointing for falling, an anointing for dancing, an anointing for tunnels of fire, and all kinds of anointings. Listen, there's in, in, in false teaching, false teachers, there's almost always a claim to a new anointing from God and thus a new revelation. But John says this to the believers. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Verse 27, look at it. He says this, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as is taught you remain in him. You see, John is basically saying this to us, that as we put our faith in Jesus and in the gospel message, as we receive that gospel message into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, into each and every believer to designate the fact that we belong to God. We have the Holy Spirit. Paul put it this way, Ephesians 1.13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That is, when you gave your life to Jesus and you put your faith in this gospel message, the Holy Spirit came into your life. You received an anointing. Some of you didn't realize that this morning. By putting your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and you have an anointing in, in your life. An anointing over your life. Now, listen, that doesn't negate the, the, the fact that we need to go on and seek, seek the Lord for the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But again, the New Testament teaches us when we give ourselves to following Jesus, each and every believer receives the Holy Spirit. We are designated as belonging to God. So John says, listen, we have an anointing upon our lives. We don't need to go around trying to find some new anointing. And notice he says that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that teaches us. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us about all things. And that's right in line with, with what John writes about Jesus' words from John chapters 14 and 16. Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit to teach us, to lead us, to keep us in the truth. John 14, 26, look at it here. But the counselor, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said. In John 16, 13, Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. See, that's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we live in the fullness of the spirit and under the anointing of the spirit. He 
He takes God's word, he takes the gospel message, and he makes it very real. He teaches us and he leads us. But notice the end of verse, 40, end of verse 27, he says, just as it is taught you, remain in him. Because see, the work and the ministry and the flow of the Holy Spirit into our lives, it only happens as we stay connected to Jesus. Like Jesus talks about in John 15, like branches connected to the vine. Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. And here, here John is saying, listen, you need to remain in the, in, in the word and in the, in the fullness of the spirit. And, 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 and God's going to work in your life. He's going to protect you. He's going to keep you. He's going to protect you from the enemy of your soul. As we stay connected to Jesus through faith and prayer and our day-to-day relationship with him. Again, it's just the basics of Christian living. Not going out doing anything great or, you know, anything to prove yourself. Just prayer, faith, right? Day-to-day relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit stays active within our lives. And as he does, he works to protect us and to give us discernment and insight and to remind us of Jesus' words and empower us to live according to the word. There's many people, both inside and outside of the church, it's a warning, they will claim to have a special anointing upon their lives and thus a, a, a new revelation. They will boast of all the new stuff they have to offer, the knowledge that they have received, the experiences that they've had. But listen, John would say to us today, and kind of summarizing his words, listen, don't be wowed by their claims. Don't allow yourself to be duped into believing that these people have received something that you have not. After all, when you became a follower of Jesus, you received the gospel message, which is the truth, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And that's the only, the only anointing you'll ever need. And so just live your life connected to Jesus. Just live your life holding on to the truth. Live your life in the fullness of the Spirit, and you will have all that you need for the days to come. Oh, John's words to us today, I know they're very basic. They're very basic to the Christian life. As a church, as individual believers, he's reminding us again, we don't need to go out seeking some new anointing or some new truth. Rather, we need to simply hold on to the gospel and to the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. In fact, one commentator put it this way. Here then are the two safeguards against error, the apostolic word and the anointing of the spirit, both are to be personally and inwardly grasped. Notice we need both the word, the gospel, and the anointing of the spirit. They are the dynamic duo. You see, some churches, some Christians, they're very strong in the word, but they've lost their appreciation for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And other churches are so spirit-oriented that they've lost sight of the importance of the word of God and judging everything, what they feel, what they experience on that word. And so they become prone to, to all kinds of things, all kinds of errors. You know, bring up a picture of a train here, if, if we could. And, you know, it makes me think of this. The first is like a train that's sitting on the tracks but has no engine to propel it forward. Those are those who, they're strong in the word, but, but, um, well, they've just lost an appreciation for the ministry of the Spirit. But the second is like a train with a huge engine and lots of power, but no tracks headed for disaster. Those are 
those believers who, well, they love the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but they kind of put the word aside. John makes it clear we need both, the ministry of the Word and the Spirit. They, they go hand in hand. That's why a lot of times you'll hear me pray even at the, end of a, at the end of a service. Thank you, God, for the ministry of your Word and of your Spirit. For we, as believers, we receive God's Word. We receive the Spirit. We live our lives dependent upon the Word and dependent upon the Spirit. And as we do, as we, as we cling to the dynamic duo, we're protected from all the falsehoods that the enemy would want to use to destroy our souls. And so, notice in conclusion this morning, just one more thing, and that is that John begins his words in verse 18 this way. He says, dear children, this is the last hour. And he goes on to say, this is how we know it is the last hour. And then he goes on to write about these false teachers. In other words, he's saying this is a critical moment. As the clock of history is winding down, we've entered the very last hour of time. The end of the age is rapidly approaching. And thus, we don't have time to play with church. We can't allow ourselves to be duped by some false teaching. We can't allow ourselves to be pulled away from the true faith. It's a warning to the church. The time is short, and so we must do all that we can to hold on to the gospel and to live our lives under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need the dynamic duo that God has given to us to help us and protect us through this age. We must remain in Him. And so this morning, I challenge us, one, each one of us, to make sure you've taken hold of that gospel message. Make sure you've committed yourself to following Jesus. Hear the gospel. God loves you. God sent his son for you. And if you put your faith in him and follow him, God will forgive you of your sin and he'll give you new hope and new life, even eternal life. Take hold of that gospel message. And live your life in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Let, let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Each day, just, just pray to God. Say, God, I just need your Holy Spirit. I'm not asking for something new and something, you know, like, 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 like weird or anything. I'm not asking for you to, like, bounce me around the room. I'm just asking for your Holy Spirit to come and work in my heart and my mind and my spirit. And to do what only your Spirit can do and to keep me, keep me in the truth. To protect my heart and my mind protect my soul and my spirit. Oh, how we need, we need the work of Christ in our lives through his word and through his spirit. Would you pray with me? So Father, right now, right now I pray for your people. I pray, God, that you would work in each one's life. I pray maybe for someone out there who's not yet fully experienced your work in their life, but today, even as the gospel goes forth, they realize they need Jesus. They need you, oh God. Would you, would you touch them? Would you minister to them? Would you lead them in ways of righteousness and eternal life? And Lord, for each one of us, God, that we would not become bored with the gospel bored with the simplicity of the gospel, but instead we would hold tightly and firmly to the message we've received from the beginning. 
realizing that, that it is a message that is the power of God for all who believe. That as we do, your Holy Spirit comes and begins to work in our lives and begins to anoint our lives to help us and protect us. God, I pray that your word would be very alive in each one of our lives and that your spirit would do his work. Lord, as we open ourselves and even commit ourselves to you and to your work, to your word and to your spirit. But today we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word and for your spirit at work in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today, if, if you need to maybe know more about what it means to follow Jesus, to receive the gospel and the ministry of the Spirit in your life, and that text message number comes up, you can just put a little note in there and say, hey, you know what? I'd, I'd really like to know more about what Pastor was talking about today. I'd like to receive Jesus. I'd like to know more about being a follower of Jesus, and someone will be in touch with you. Amen. Let's worship together as, 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 the worship lead, as the worship team leads us in one more song. School might be out for the summer, but let's study up on what it means to be a follower of Jesus in our series, Christianity 101, from the book of 1 John.